Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to our spooky podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian, and this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show. Uh, your weekly destination for all things creepy and spooky and all little kooky. Um, <laughs> the Adams family. <laughs> Did you ever. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, you grew up Catholic as well. Did you ever do the Adams Family before meal grace? What what is it? <laughs> it's to the Adams Family song we used to do it in Girl Scouts all the time, and it was like, "We thank you for this food, Lord, for Mom and Dad and you, Lord. We thank you for this food, Lord, and every day we live." <laughs> Absolutely not. No, but. How Catholic and Christian is it just to co-op fucking anything? I know, right? Including the Adams family. Yeah, I love it. I love it, though, you know? That's amazing. No, I never had that, but that's amazing. And I'm mad at my childhood for not giving that to me. (laughs) Well, I'm glad I could share it with you. (laughs) Uh, Corey, how spooky has your week been? It's been, yeah, it's been pretty spooky. I One thing I've been doing that's kind of spooky, kind of fun, is I am currently taking Neil Gaiman's masterclass. Oh, yeah. On uh, storytelling. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, I I really like it a lot. I really enjoy it. If any of you out there are on Masterclass, I recommend checking it out. And he just he just has like a spooky vibe about him, you know? Oh, he loves ghosts. <laughs> he loves spookies. Yeah, but it's also in taking the class and kind of working my way through it, I've decided to start reading The Graveyard Book again, which mm-hmm. is a fun it is a very little fun. spooky tale. I love that book. I feel like that's a great entry point, in, especially if you're younger, into Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. It's a cute story, but it's also very dark. Oh, like very it's, dark. <laughs> like it opens a very kind of brutal scene. So, but yeah, so I'm I'm rereading that right now. And similarly, I also went to the cemetery last week, so that was fun. Oh yeah. Did you, uh, yeah. did you have any grave encounters? Oh, not really. It was no. just no it was a really nice day and like just wandered around the cemetery with a friend of mine. And we talked about what we want to be done with our remains when we die. It was actually really funny at the front of the cemetery. Like when you first walk in, there's like a big board that I thought I thought was like a map because it's a big cemetery mm-hmm. and so I thought it was like maybe a map or something but like you go and you look and it lists like all the different pricing and stuff mm-hmm. for your different options at this cemetery but the font and the way it's laid out it looks like the itinerary board at like a summer camp 
<laughs> yeah, I wish it was just a little spookier. Yeah, like, or just, you know, it was very bold letters and like, I'm like, huh, this is interesting. But yeah, just wandered around, found some cool graves. Oh, we found a headstone of someone's that had emblems of M&Ms, like the candy, like the m and Inside people. the stone? Like on the stone, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. I like, all right, wow. I love graveyards. So do I. I went to, I mean, my last year, so this was last season, I went up to the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Ooh. Which is very fun. Uh, Washington Irving's grave is there. He wrote Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And uh, there's another there's another big name in that cemetery. But my gosh, we, it was on a overcast kind of rainy day walking through the cemetery. Perfect day for that. And yeah, oh my gosh, I took a bunch of photos. I also saw, remember that artist we met in Salem at the uh, the Emporium store? Yep. She, I follow her Instagram and she's been sharing all this graveyard cleaning that she's been doing. Oh yeah. I saw that, that too. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty, I've never even thought about that. What a, what a nice little gesture, get the moss scraped off and keep it clean. Yeah, totally. No, that's exactly what I thought too. I think it's lovely. Also, if I were to have a tombstone, which I don't even want, do not bury me. Do not put me in a box. I'll be so mad. I'll be so mad. If <laughs> Are you a, cremated into the wind sort of i no i actually i want to be a tree i want to be put into like a pod and with seeds and shit and made into a tree but Mm -hmm. if i did have a tombstone ever i would want it to be as creepy and overgrown with moss like i want it to be like a swamp well not both put the tombstone (laughs) by the tree yeah no i i've thought about that like the giving tree you know, if I have a tree, I actually think of it as like Grandmother Willow from Pocahontas. Okay. So, like a tree, preferably a weeping willow. And then it'd be cool to have like a bench or something by it so mm-hmm. people can come and like sit and, you know, and then the bench could, I guess, kind of act as my tombstone. I feel like we're still talking about the giving tree. <laughs> Maybe it's the same thing, but. <laughs> But yeah, that's, I mean, that's my vision. Um, I'm also not opposed to cremation. I don't know. I also like, I kind of like the idea of someone holding on to some of my bones. That's kind of fun. Kind of want to give my skull to somebody. I don't know. But I do not want to be put in a big non-biodegradable box for all eternity. What if it was a big non-biodegradable box? mausoleum what if you had a big above ground mm, no thanks i do like mausoleums but okay. no thanks <laughs> i just want if i was to come back in some other zombified way <laughs> i want a chance if i'm on the ground or i'm burned up or i'm bones it's I not gonna happen <laughs> you know i want to have a head start if i'm just above ground i just gotta get through a gate i can do that so you're that attached to the zombie narrative something that's literally something i've out. never ever thought about is coming back as a zombie i am very much like when i die my spirit essence is gonna leave my body it's not even gonna be here anymore so how much do we really know about the life of a zombie you know, it's, <laughs> how many zombies have we asked? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say very little. Very little. It feels like they're living a very zen, singular life, anti life. I don't know. Who knows? That's interesting, though. Also, I'm gonna come back as a ghost. You got who? Zombie. But like, if you ghost. come back as a ghost, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters what you're because it's it's a you know it's like an energy 
like hologram version of you. So I don't think it matters what state your body's in. I mean, you have to have some sort of connection, right? To, you know what I mean? That like, there's got to be something that's that the, the, the energy is like, emanating out of. <laughs> you know? Talking about this as though it's like a science. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> but anyway, that's how spooky our week's been. Yes, yes. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Samhain. Samhain! Samhain, which is uh, largely attributed to the beginnings or origins of Halloween. Also, you may, if you're unfamiliar with Samhain, you may be like, huh, because you probably saw the title of this episode and that word does not read as Samhain to you, probably. It's not Samhain. It is not Samhain. I have known it to be Samhain for a long time now. And still, if I'm reading something in my brain, I still read it as Samhain. When I'm typing it out, I have to spell Samhain. Yeah. So uh, that's how it's pronounced, y'all. Samhain. I'm sure there's a reason for that if you go into the uh, history of the term. I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is, Brian? <laughs> history of the term Samhain? Yeah, like history of the of the land. Like of the, the word? Yes, I Yeah, do. the linguistics of mm-hmm. it. It was, I mean, it's basically summer's end, mm. which is what Samhain is. It, it's the, the end of the Celtic year, separating the, year, the time of the year where the sun is out and lively and then when it's not it goes into the cold months but that's uh that yeah roughly that's what it translates to is summer's end there are other oh i think i was watching a video in my research and they said that some scholars consider Samhain to be like the celtic word for september because mm. summer's end i was like oh that's interesting it could also be oh should we just dive in Start talking about Samhain and origins and what it is and how it came about and how we remember it today? Or do you want to? Well, before we dive in, I was doing some research and looking for some Samhain blessings, some Samhain prayers. Mm -hmm. And I, I found a lot of them. And also you can like write your own, you know, there's no like consecrated like Samhain prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I um, I found a lot of them. But my favorite one was actually this prayer, this blessing that was labeled a children's, a children's Samhain prayer. But mm-hmm. I thought it was just like the sweetest and the most fun. So I figured we could open the episode with that. Okay, let's hear it. All right, here we go. Samhain is here, cold is the earth, as we celebrate the cycle of death and rebirth. Tonight we speak to those through the veil, the lines between worlds are thin and frail. Ghosts and spirits in the night, magical beings rising in flight, owls hooting up in a moonlit tree. I don't fear you and you don't fear me. As the sun goes down far to the west, my ancestors watch over me as I rest. They keep me safe and without fear on the night of Samhain, the witch's new year. Interesting. And where where did you say you found that one? Uh, just a website with lots of Samhain blessings. But I prayer. love that. I mean, a Samhain, I am pretty ignorant. And it is, we'll, we'll specify right now that I am not a historian. And, you know, that uh, this is all research that we found on Samhain and the origins as best we could, because something to note about Samhain is the Celts 
did not have written down history. It was all passed down orally. So a lot of what we have recorded did not come directly from the Celts, which makes research of this day very hard. Yeah. Also, I mean, Halloween, Halloween, like many holidays, is an amalgamation of many celebrations, rituals, traditions from various cultural traditions throughout time, right? Mm -hmm. Halloween is a mix of a lot of things. And this episode isn't a history of Halloween. This is just focusing on Samhain, which is a huge part of that. Like Samhain Mm -hmm. is definitely one of the biggest influences of our modern day Halloween. And so we're focusing on that in terms of the history that we were able to find. But also later on in the episode, I'm going to talk about it in terms of being a contemporary Wiccan practice as okay, well. Good. I, I'm so happy that you said that because <laughs> as you said that prayer or that recited that verse. I was like, oh, man, I'm very ignorant on all Wiccan traditions of Samhain today. You being our resident occult enthusiast, I'm very excited to see what, <laughs> what you have. Yeah, we'll we'll do some history and bring it up to present day. But yeah, we're focusing pretty strictly on the Celtic slash pagan slash Wiccan celebration of Samhain. And we look forward into the future episodes of going into more histories of different parts of Halloween because it's yeah. a big mismatch of a lot of different things and we love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Samhain, I am doing a lot of my research based on this really great book that I read last year that I got called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween. It was written by Lisa Morton, and it won the 2012 Halloween Book Festival Grand Prize. Love it. It's right on the cover, and I want to know where this Halloween Book Festival is so I can go to it. Maybe I'm going to put this into the universe. Someday we'll end up writing a Halloween-related book. And maybe we can get the coveted Halloween Book Festival Grand Prize. Yes! <laughs> yes. So Lisa Morton wrote this really great book that goes into a lot of, you know, origins of different parts of Halloween, but she has a great intro on just the Samhain and how it's been recorded. And she starts off and talks about, in 1762, there was this British surveyor called Charles Valancy, who went to Ireland and became enamored with Celtic lore. And by this point, Samhain was already established of roughly meaning summer's end. And it began on the night of October 31st. But he thought he knew better than everything else, thought that was false. And instead, he offered that Samhain was a Celtic deity known as Balsab, Bal for Lord and Sab for death. It didn't matter that Balsab appears nowhere else in Celtic lore. But who needs consistency? He's he's right in the history. Yeah. And exactly. he wrote this whole book about all these different traditions about Samhain. And it didn't matter if any of it was true, which has weird echoes about today. Um, the book was already out there and published on so many different bookshelves, which then created this alternate history of a darker Halloween that we know today. And it also makes looking into history hard because, like I said before, they never recorded anything down and everyone kind of has their own ideas of where it all came from. I also found in my research too, people like to bring up that a lot of these like legends that revolve around Samhain go all the way back into prehistoric time, basically. So mm-hmm. we're talking like old, old, old Celtic belief. So yeah, a lot of this is, is you know, oral history passed down, which turned into one form of celebration, which turned into another because like we'll go into some of the different traditions and things 
what's interesting in the research, I thought, is they tend to kind of all be lumped together into these are things that happened during Samhain. And that might be true, but also we're talking about time frames of like literally a thousands of years, right? Yeah, so it's exactly. like not all of these things were happening at the exact same time. Like it right, wasn't, right. you know, this one cohesive celebration that just happened every single year for thousands of years, right? <laughs> yeah, it was written down. This is how we're doing it every single year. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever. We are the Celts. We are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That is all. Samhain. Um, the Celts, they were re- referred to as Keltoi by Greek and Roman writers. And this name derives from the Indo-European word for hidden, Kel making the Celts basically the hidden people. That's the same. I, I'm pretty sure that is the same origin of the word occult. Really? Oh, you're hidden, right? Yeah. Kel. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Occult, Celt, Druid, and all, you know, that's all kind of in there. And they were also once spread out across most of Europe and the British Isle, but we kind of now recognize them more as Scottish, Irish, British. Their religion has hundreds of deities and barred any written records, which is frustrating and trying to figure out those stories, you know. But a lot of these deities, their stories did revolve around this night because it was the end of the Celtic year. It was the day when the the veil between the the other world, sometimes called, and I'm gonna really butcher this, Tir na Sampraith. I yeah, that's wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, but this also means the, the land of summer. So on this day, when the veil between the afterlife in our world was so thin it was a common focal point for all of these god stories for big events to happen it was a liminal space i love liminal i wrote so many college papers when i learned the word liminal everything was liminal liminal space also connecting to that there is also different sources that like to consider Samhain to be the Celtic New Year or like in the prayer I mentioned before, the Witches New Year. And basically some scholars just suggest that the Samhain celebration was like New Year's Eve. That yes, was the idea. That was how they kind and, of treated it. Yeah. And this connects to the liminal space concept of like being suspended in time because it was like you're not in the old year and you're not in the new year yet it is this space between between worlds but it's also a space between time right exactly yeah and before they had calendars which we now put it in october 31st they would celebrate it squarely between the autumn and the winter equinox that's when they Mm -hmm. would do it i this is another just offshoot idea but I think we should do an autumn equinox episode where we just like mm. talk about and celebrate the autumn equinox and release it on the autumn equinox this year. Okay. That sounds good. Because I feel like that is a day in the spooky season that is not celebrated enough. And it should be. Shame yeah. on everyone. Shame on everyone. <laughs> Shame on all of you. Shame. Um, because we go nuts for Halloween, and rightfully so. But, like, the autumn equinox is lovely. Like, what a wonderful time, you know? It's right at the end of September. Like, you're really starting to feel fall and, like, the excitement's building. Like, Halloween often feels like a culmination, you know? Mm-hmm. But the autumn equinox is, like, the beginning. I've so, always said the more the merrier. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should celebrate that this year. Let's make that more of a thing. I love it. I can't wait. Let's do it. 
this was also the night where not just the dead might return, but fairies. Fairies are a big part of Celtic lore. Yes, the fae folk. Mm-hmm. And for this reason that the dead might return and fairies come back, people would often wear costumes or disguises. It would really more be of a disguise. I don't think they would have costumes per se or, or call it that but sometimes they would wear that to hide their identity from mischievous fairies or deceased enemies who might come and hunt them down that night come back from the yes. grave and go hey i never got my 20 bucks <laughs> just a couple things on that the fey too often in celtic lore and the way it's been translated a lot of times Nowadays, you'll find words like spirit or ghost Mm -hmm. being used in place of fairy, which I think our contemporary, you know, understanding of the fae or fairies, you think these little sprightly creatures, which they, yeah, 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 which is correct to an extent, but also they're, they're kind of spooky and they, they like uh, to fuck shit up. So like a little uh, mischievous. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely historically speaking in terms of folklore, particularly Celtic, the Fae are their spirits. So yeah, the thinning of the veil, you're going to have fairies running amok, right? In right. your world. And also going off of how people could protect themselves from the Fae. I was watching a documentary uh, that's on Amazon called Halloween Feast of the Dying Sun. Mm. And so it's like a Halloween documentary, but it does focus mostly on Samhain and the roots in Celtic culture. And there was a a folklorist being interviewed and he was just talking about the different ways people could protect themselves from the Fae. And you could also protect yourself using embers from a bonfire, Mm -hmm. hazel sticks, a black shafted knife. And then also this one's fun. You could turn your jacket inside out and it would like confuse the fairies. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, they'll they'll get them off your back a little bit. So if you're ever if you know you find yourself alone in a dark wood on October 31st and you think there might be some fae folk trying to mess with you, turn your jacket inside out. Just turn it inside out. Just and I think that out. maybe iron too. I, I feel like I've read yeah, that, that. That sounds right. <laughs> they hate it. God, they hate the stuff. That was a antidote for figuring out if you had a changeling. Changeling is a, an Irish story where a, a fairy has come and replaced your baby with a baby fairy. And mm-hmm. you would give the baby iron. And if they hated it, you got a fairy, not your baby. You got yourself a fairy. <laughs> that is a bona fide fairy. <laughs> not your baby. Call 1-800-NOT-YOUR-FAIRY. Welcome. <laughs> Get it right out of there for you. We'll take it off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> they also, if you remember, like, the references in pop culture, like Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, famous Shakespeare play. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Puck <laughs> and that show is largely attributed to the trickster, which is also attributed to fairy folk. Yes, yes. Trickster spirits. Don't you love them or not? Yes, yeah, so Samhain uh, fairies, uh, practical terms, it was the transition from summer to winter. And because of this too, this was the time of the year where all the crops were gathered and livestock were slaughtered for food. And it was harvest. I feel like we haven't said the word harvest yet, which is yeah. 
It's, I mean, it's a huge harvest celebration. <laughs> it's actually the final harvest celebration right. is, is the idea. So, And because it was the harvest, this was the time of year where you had a lot of food ready to go. And so mm-hmm. perfect time for a feast. And it was largely guessed that this is the one time of year where the Celts had a, an abundance of alcohol. Yeah. Drunken rowdiness is also widely attributed to this time. Time to let loose. Let loose. Before before the before the sun goes away forever. Forever. Dying sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for for this big food harvest celebration, it was also common for young Celtic folk to go door to door asking for food, which a lot of people attribute to the origins of trick-or-treating. I think there are there are other origins. We can have a whole episode on trick-or-treating, but this is this is one part of it. And yeah, it's guessed that they did do this. And since it was the end of the year, it was also a time to pay taxes. Woo! When they went door to door, they also extinguished all the hearth fires in each home to then contribute to one big bonfire on the a sacred hill nearby. And a way that they would pay their taxes is if they wanted to get the fire back, they would distribute embers in exchange for the tax. Can we uh, bring that back? Yeah. Can we do that again? <laughs> Turn out all your lights. If you want them back, <laughs> give me five bucks. <laughs> Which I think is, is a pretty, pretty sneaky way of collecting the tax. Yeah, definitely. And that Celtic day began at sundown, which made the celebration on the night prime time for the feast, that the night was the, the, the end of the day. So now we are going into this new year. Celebrate. Let's have fun. What are we missing here? I think that's... Well, uh, kind of going back to the subject of a drunken rowdiness. Honestly, this is kind of historically just the nature of rit- ritualized celebration, Often these celebrations, be it Samhain or, you know, winter solstice or or any of these big celebrations that are annual and that have turned into contemporary holidays or have, you know, are the roots of contemporary holidays. They were basically like periodic plan times where as a society, everyone was just like, let's go wild. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're, it, it was just okay. Everyone let loose. Everyone have fun, which is still kind of what they are today. Right. We use holidays as times to have fun and just mix things up from, from day to day life. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind, in addition to all the drunken uproar is that Samhain was also very sexy. It was a <laughs> yeah. sexy time. <laughs> I have a quote by the spooky documentary man from from the Amazon documentary I was talking about, Feast of the Dying Sun. Yeah. He says, Samhain has always been a time of dark love and incandescent sexuality. Incandescent. I know, right? I, I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and And we can see this in a few different things. For one, uh, so apples. Apples are still a big symbol of harvest and Halloween time today, but they were symbols used during Samhain. And they were also a symbol of Celtic love goddesses. So things like games with apples, bobbing for apples, for example, can be traced back to Celtic Samhain celebrations. Mm -hmm. Also, Samhain was kind of like a almost like a cuffing season for women, only uh, more permanent. 
So like now, you know, we talk about fall being like cuffing season or whatever, but like uh, Samhain, uh, women were kind of doing the same thing. They were trying to find themselves a man, but ultimately to, to make him their husband, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was this like uh, really amping up the sexuality because they're trying to you're trying to catch yourself somebody <laughs> catch yourself somebody to keep you company on those long winter nights. So there is a lot in Sawin that also mixes together magic and sexuality and sensuality. And it really was like a time when it was a generative time, right, where people are trying to maybe find a a lifelong mate and then also, you know, possibly trying to get pregnant was a a big thing during Samhain. So, so yeah, it was, it was a time of drinking a lot and, you know, having sexy fun. And in that regard, I feel like the current American tradition of Halloween is very in line (laughs) with with the, Mm -hmm. the classic, the classic Samhain before it became Christianized. I, I, yeah, I think, I think our current celebration of Halloween actually has quite a bit in common with the more ancient roots for sure. Yeah. And if we're talking about rowdiness too, the talking about tricking, they were mischievous that night too. And a lot of the times they, when they would play, play pranks or tricks on other people, they would blame it on the fairies because Uh-oh. the veil was thin. They were out. So that's a great scapegoat. That is a great scapegoat to just get away with anything that night. Spooky stuff. And you were talking about magic too. In Celtic lore, fortune telling and divination is a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And this night was no different. This was a night where you could get hints about the future. They would take coals from the fire after the big fire and spread the ashes across the fields to keep them safe from mischievous fairies that might want to hurt the crops for the next year. And there's always this number of three in Celtic lore that mm-hmm. I found. There's, mm-hmm. there's That beings. actually goes back to what I was saying about just like the sexuality and like pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and things. Yeah, the number three is huge in Celtic lore, as is the number nine, because it is divisible by three. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they point to is because of nine months of pregnancy. So, Oh, yeah. look at that. Yeah, and the three, there were deities that had three heads. There were, you know, things that would happen over three days. When you were mentioning how today's American Halloween keeps a lot of this kind of same spirit, it's interesting of what survives and what doesn't, you know? Yes, yeah. From the origins. Like, when you're talking about this divination and fortune-telling, there's all these these fun kind of games, urban legend games that you could play now. On Halloween night, stand on a porch and watch out for spirits that might pass by, which could go one of two ways. You could see, you get a hint at who's going to die that you know, but you might find yourself and that's bad. Also, did you, um, did you mention the yew tree at all? No, talk about the yew tree. The yew tree. Um, so every Samhain, the spirit of the yew tree, which is a certain kind of tree native to, you know, Celtic regions. Every Samhain, the spirit of the yew tree whispers the names of all those doomed to die in the coming year. Oh, spooky. And you can listen, just like this modern take on that story, probably you might hear your own name. Exactly. There is actually a story. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure how rooted in truth it is, but yeah, a story of, of a man who, 
heard the yew tree whisper his name and he like begged with the tree because he was like, I'm not done yet. And then sure enough, he died that year. So shoot. I've got so much time left. <laughs> yeah. And there's also stories of the same thing of there's the classic Bloody Mary games where you look mm-hmm. into a mirror at night. You might see someone you marry or you might see the the risk of someone seeing the devil. Uh, or there's the stories of going around a grave in the graveyard at midnight three times and you might see the future or you might see the devil. Mm-hmm. Going back to talking about what survived and what hasn't. These are these are traditions that have kind of survived. And, and also those traditions, the ones that you just mentioned, like the mm-hmm. graveyard and possibly seeing the devil, like either seeing the future or seeing the devil. Those are really great examples of the transition from Samhain, like ancient festival, into when it started to become Christianized. That's exactly what I was going to say. Wow. That, you know, Sorry, that, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> down, get down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yes, in Celtic lore, the god of the dead was actually Dom, it was his name, and he lives on the island of Skellig Michael and journeys to the land of Ireland and it would probably take souls back with him to his land. And when Christianity started co-opting this whole holiday and merging it with theirs, Don probably became the devil. And now that we we still have these same traditions and stories, but we're replacing it key things with Christian figures. Like Don is now the devil, even though we're going around a graveyard that's Christian, we're still doing it three times. It's stuff like that, that there's patterns that live and survive. And then there's things that are changed. And it's fascinating history's history's nuts man it's just a big yeah. old mismatch and, and, and that's such a just a, a very solid example of really the process of that whole area of europe being christianized over long periods of time mm-hmm. they didn't just come in and say like everything's christian now they actually it was a very slow process of, mm-hmm. of feeding christianity into the infrastructure (laughs) the spiritual infrastructure that was already there and morphing these things instead of just a very strict you know this is wrong this is right which is tricky like when you think about it that's actually a very tricky move on part of the christians to kind of um instead of force things so blatantly they're like we'll just kind of take this tradition this ritual and then we'll kind of change it to fit our stories a little bit it's also it's like a it's a pretty sneaky recruiting tool too right exactly now we we recognize halloween the descendant of uh, sawin the precursor to halloween is taking place on october 31st which is the day before all saints day all hallows eve all hallows being all saints day all hallows eve you get it come on you're smart Mm mm-hmm But that wasn't always All Saints Day that day. May 13th, Pope Gregory III moved All Saints Day from this day to November 1st. It was May 13th because it coincided with the Roman Festival of the Day and was called All Hallows at that point, meant to honor saints and martyrs. But for the same reason that Samhain was celebrated when it was, they moved it to November 1st for a couple of reasons. One, it could have just been, it was the time of the year where there was a harvest. There were more food for a bigger feast, bigger celebration for all your saints and all your martyrs, uh, big, mm-hmm. your big selling points. Or it could have been like what we were just talking about to co-opt the Samhain celebration and merge it into yep. Christian Celts that we now have two cultures. And then also it's probably both, you know, that they probably yeah. did it because now we're getting the, the Celts 
merged into the Christian doctrine. And it's a lot easier if you say, you don't have to give up your stuff. It'll just happen here. Exactly. It's tricky. Tricky like Mm -hmm. the fairies. (laughs) fairies. Mm -mm. Mm. But yeah. And that's also, we're talking about the veil between the afterlife and our world. And it's a kind of a spooky time. But a lot of the imagery that we have, like the skeletons and spooky imagery that was coming from that wasn't from the Celts. It was largely from the dance macabre imagery that was happening in the 1300s because the black death plague that was going on for like 400 years in 1350 it peaked and killed 60 percent of europe's population this obviously radically changed culture and brought about this newfound obsession with death in arts and there was also the time of the printing press that images of this dance macabre with this idea of death unites us all um and there has these pictures of these gruesome skeletons dancing with people Thanks to the printing press, these were widely available. So then you have this festival every year that has a veil between the the other world and our world. It's no surprise that they started incorporating that imagery into that day. So suddenly we got spooky skeletons yes. on Halloween. Yes. So yeah, that's uh, a very brief overview of what it is. Since then, you know, like I said, Sawin, their traditions were all transferred orally that they didn't write anything down so a lot of what we have from them was penned down by early christian irish monks but by 1550 christianity had completely absorbed this pagan holiday into all saints day but we still retain the celebration of somber reflection of death and a joyful celebration and it's now on halloween yeah christianity man Christianity. It's a force. Um, (laughs) It is a force in the world for sure. So Christianity takes over Samhain. It becomes All Hallows Eve, which is where the term Halloween comes from. And so in this sense, the American tradition of Halloween, the Americanized version of Halloween was a direct result of that celebration. But what we have now in the past, you know, I think you say 30, 40, 50 years is obviously we have the celebration of Halloween on a grand scale, right? We have this secular celebration of Halloween. It really, it's different individual to individual, but Halloween in general, the way it's portrayed in culture, it is not attached typically to any one spiritual belief. It is very much a holiday that is celebrated openly regardless of spiritual belief, religious belief, what have you. And so what happened is we have this very secularized Halloween, but also in the past century or so, we have a contemporary version of pagan witchcraft known as Wicca come to be. And I'm not going to get too far into it, but just like a quick little explanation. So if you didn't know, the term pagan is actually a word that was given to all of these people that practiced polytheistic beliefs by the Christians. So pagan was actually a derogatory term. It was a term... Still is to some people. Yeah, yeah. It was a derogatory term that Christians gave to people that basically practiced a spirituality that was outside of the 
Abrahamic religions, right? So not Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. Yeah, and it was meant to be derogatory. Over time, it has been, like so many words that are meant to be derogatory, it has been reclaimed by a large population. There are lots of people currently that identify as pagan. They they identify that as their spiritual belief. There are also lots of people that identify as Wiccan. These are similar things, but can also be different. You can identify as pagan and not consider yourself Wicca. Like you can you can mix and match as you please, really. Um, there is a large sect of the population contemporarily that identify according to this spiritual belief. Like a lot of them consider Wicca to be their religion, right? So in this spiritual practice, there is a resurgence of Samhain in really honoring all the things that the original pagan celebration meant to honor. And also what happens a lot, which I think is probably just the most common thing, and it's just an example of plurality and how these things come to be, is a a combination of, you know, a celebration of the secular Halloween and a celebration of more of a spiritual Samhain type celebration for people that identify with it. The beauty of it, in my opinion, I I kind of identify as a witch. I don't necessarily identify as Wiccan, but I am interested in it. I'm I'm one of those pick and choosy people with spirituality. I'm just kind of like, this is fun. This is fun. This is fun. (laughs) And and that's kind of the fun part of Wicca witchcraft is it is very allowing of that. Like you, you're supposed to kind of do what feels right to you and um, you can create your own celebrations and honor the traditions that feel real to you. So there's lots of different ways that you can honor Samhain alongside your more, you know, secular Halloween parties. It's just a, it's just a way to take your Halloween celebration to a spiritual place if you so choose. You can do this by decorating an altar, decorating your altar, and some fun different ways to decorate an altar for celebration of Samhain. A lot of these really have to do with the season. So think like seasonal decoration, right? Like uh, harvest colors, black, burgundy, purples, things like gourds, pumpkins, Ears of corn, harvest-related things, Love mold it. wine. Also, black crystals and candles are very good. So, like obsidian. And then the contemporary spiritual celebration of Samhain, also like the ancient celebration, is really a time to, yeah, to honor the dead and to honor your ancestors. Mm-hmm. So, another really fun suggestion is you can have on your altar a picture of someone who has passed, a family member or someone that means a lot to you who has passed, offerings for ancestors, so specific offerings for your ancestors that you feel, you know, connects to to your ancestors. That can be a cultural object. That can really be anything. Also, oh, this one I just found in my research today and I really want to try it. I think it seems like a fun way to decorate an altar. Grave rubbings. So Mm. going to a cemetery, doing grave rubbings and then you can put those on your altar for Samhain. It just seems like very powerfully charged, right? Specifically if it's a grave of, you know, someone you love or someone that you're close to or or a grave that you connect to in some way. Mm -hmm. So really, yeah, using 
the Halloween season as if you want, you know, using it as a as a celebratory party type thing. You have friends, you can have a big feast. Feasting is a huge thing too, right? It's yes. uh, end of harvest. So having friends and family over and just having a huge feast is big. Oh, 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 <laughs> I almost <laughs> forgot. So this actually goes back to ancient Celtic tradition with Samhain. Dumb supper. Did you read about dumb supper? Oh, right. Where you have a meal with places at the table, right? For Yeah, you Ancestor. Ancestor. How is it? You like you invite them before you eat, right? So you ensure yeah. that they share the meal with you. It's such a nice idea. It's I love so that. Nice. And I was just even reading stories, and it's like it really is supposed to just be like a big family gathering, like very fun and lively. Like the kids play games with their ancestors, or and the dead adults catch members. them up on all the news that they've missed. Yeah. So they like, oh, this is what you missed this year. Like, and it's just really like, oh, it makes you emotional. I just really think that's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really love that a lot. And so this is, you know, having this big feast, which was known as Dumb Supper. Similarly, you know, if you want to have a, a big feast meal in celebration of Samhain with your friends and your family, you know, you can invite your ancestors. You can invite those who have passed to be present for the meal and spend some time with them. Um, and I love that so I much. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just such a wonderful time. <laughs> it's the best time of year. And yeah, it's it's really fun and, and really moving to see all the different ways we're keeping these kind of traditions alive. I know a couple of years ago, I did a similar thing on Halloween night. Me and some friends went up to, there was a hill nearby and we had candles and we had sort of a, a vigil of remembrance of past ancestors that we've lost. And very reminiscent to how classic Samhain, where they were at the big bonfire on the hill and it wasn't strictly Samhain. It wasn't strictly how Wiccan uh, Samhain's mm-hmm. practice today, but it was still a, a little ritual gesture of ourselves doing it. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love if it's something you're interested in, if it's something you're comfortable with, I'd love celebration of this time, celebration of Halloween or Halloween adjacent celebration that engages with spirituality. I just think I love all the aspects of it. I love the parties. I love the going out and drinking and dancing and and get, you know, group costumes and like, you know, all all of those fun things. And at the exact same time, you can take time to honor the dead and honor your impending death and honor all of these really beautiful, I guess, more esoteric aspects of existence in whatever spiritual way feels right for you, you know? And right, right. I love it. I love it. I'd love to hear if anyone's listening and, and is actually Wiccan or, or has different ways that they practice Halloween or Samhain every year. I'd love to hear how you do that because we're coming at it from, you know, researching and learning more from the outside, but I'd love to hear from any listeners out there from the inside and how you do it every year. Yes. I would, I would very much like to hear that as well, because yeah, for most of my, my research, it really does seem to just differ from person to person. And that is so much of the beauty of it, you know? And yeah, I'd like to hear hear how you honor Samhain this time of year. Oh, yeah. 
So that was our kind of brief overview of Samhain. I know we missed some stuff. Uh, I mean, history has missed some stuff. (laughs) History, am I right? Am I right? Come on. But there's definitely more to talk about, especially origins of Halloween. This is just one part of it. There are so many different things and traditions we have today that aren't part of Samhain, but are part of our Halloween today. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to future episodes and getting more into that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. If you if you have anything you want to share with us or just any any insight into Celtic myth or, um, you know, maybe you're Irish or Scottish and, and you've had some interesting stories passed down, like, let us know. Happy Harvest Horror Show at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. This has been pretty fun. I love I loved this research this week. Yeah, me too. I learned some me stuff too. for sure. It was fun to break out this book that I read last year. I think it's a really fun book. If anyone wants just a, a quick primer of a lot of history's traditions of Halloween, check out this book, Trick or Treat History of Halloween. I mean, it Halloween. won the coveted prize at the Halloween book. The 2012 thing. Halloween <laughs> book festival. It was cutthroat, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it was a fun read. I enjoyed it. I think I read it in like a couple days. It was a really quick read. Great. Well, thanks for joining us, and who knows what our next episode will be. We're we're at spooky season. We're just we're going where the wind takes us yep. um, on this show. So hopefully, it'll be something spooky. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> or we're out of gas, and we'll have to stop this train. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's all we got for you. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. <laughs>